Hey y'all, welcome to the last episode of Adventures with Aggie Road to Tokyo. For now, we might revisit this theme in the future. We have Jamal Hill. Jamal is a Paralympic swimmer, and he's also the founder of the Swim Up Hill Foundation. He's going to share his story about how he became a professional swimmer and the importance of why people need to know how to swim, which is kind of the mission of the Swim Up Hill Foundation. So he's going to share a lot more about that and all of the awesome things that he's done so far. So please welcome Jamal. Jamal, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so excited that you're here. Um, just to kind of get going, I would love for you to give me some background, maybe where you're from and what you do. Absolutely. Uh, so Jamal James, I'll give you the middle name, right? Jamal James, so for government here. Um, I'm from Inglewood, California. I am a professional swimmer, um, Paralympic hopeful for Tokyo 2021. Currently ranked number one in the nation for a few events, top 10 in the world for the 50 meter freestyle. Um, you know, outside of being a pro swimmer, training hard, I, uh, I run a nonprofit. Um, so businessman on, in every sense of the word, you know, personal brand, a brand uh, for, you know, kind of public works and service. And that's pretty much me in a nutshell right there. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's all. I just do all these yeah. really cool things, but that's it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so I think my favorite question that I ask when I speak to athletes of any kind is like, why Why do you do your sports? So how did you get into swimming? Um, why is this your thing? What keeps you going? For sure, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, I'm sure probably this answer is pretty common, like, it's the first sport I ever did, and I happened to be good at it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Like, um, you know, so I started swimming mommy and me. Uh, so, like, literally, you know, outside of walking, the first, like, I guess, real structured activity I've done. Uh, my mom ha- didn't know how to swim when I was a kid, but, like, didn't know how to swim well, you know. So uh it was just kind of up to her honestly like most parents right like well this kid's gonna know how to swim um so I came up in the YMCA mommy and me system took swim lessons and then like around I don't know like somewhere between five and seven I was like I've been swimming I'm looking at across the pool at the swim team I think I want to do that you know so uh like I said somewhere in that range between five to seven like probably like six we'll call it six I joined the swim team and uh, I swam on the swim team, you know, youth sports swim team from six to 10 years old. Yeah, it was, it was fun, a lot of fun. Honestly, I've still probably, I say this a lot, I still probably have more medals from that three to four year span than I do from my professional career at this point. So <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I do think it is a pretty common answer. You know, like I tried it, I was good at it, I stuck with it. Um, but that's so cool, though, that it was a mommy and me thing. I think I did... I did a daddy and me thing for um, motor motorsports and stuff. I used to go to race camps with my dad um, and it was fun. You know, I, I definitely had my series of crashes and, but some winning, you know, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I was killing it. Same age, you know, like eight, maybe seven or eight years old, but um, it's always fun. I think when the, the parents, there, mommy and me programs, daddy and me programs. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> sick. Honestly, like I'm low key a little bit envious now. I've always wanted to be, like I was never had, I don't think I ever had like necessarily all the skills for it, but I've always wanted to be like an extreme sports person. 
Yeah. Someone who could like, you know, ride dirt bikes, do backflips, <laughs> you know, like take the huge, the mega ramp on a skateboard. Like can't even kick push on a skateboard to this day, but like always, <laughs> always like nitro circuits, all that stuff. I loved it. Yeah. So that's super sick. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I don't think I'm coordinated enough to be a skateboarder, but I don't know, maybe I'll try it one day, but it sounds, yeah. it sounds hard. <laughs> Not my thing. I think it's hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I will say you're you're killing it in the swimming space, though. Um, I swimming is not my thing. I think I did one summer of like swim team in my local neighborhood. Um, the the six a.m. practices over the summer were not my favorite uh, situation yeah. I've been in, but um, it was a really cool learning experience because now I have a really high appreciation for people who swim all the time. Um, yeah, I. It wasn't my thing. I don't know. I I love going to the pool, not really racing in the pool. That's not my forte, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, props yeah. to you for doing it all the time. <laughs> well, you know, I will. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but important to say that like most of my career has not been six a.m. practices. Um, probably like obviously like as an age group somewhere up until 10 we definitely were not doing six hand practices yeah crazy um and then I took a big hiatus from swimming from 10 to 16 um because of my neuropathy we'll get into that and then in high school from like again even in high school from sophomore year to senior year they were not morning practices just like seventh period practice um the only time I was up early was in college honestly yeah uh, yeah from freshman and junior college before I dropped out um or you know not in dropout before I deferred enrollment um right. <laughs> that yeah. was the only time that I was really getting up super early and I was not good at that at all like you know getting <laughs> up at six after having stayed up until definitely midnight you know how it is right. I was like I was not on a solid sleep schedule yeah, so I don't know. Post-grad, though, like, I made sure now that I'm an adult and I kind of control a lot of this stuff, we're not having 6 a.m. practices. The earliest we were having was, like, I guess it's not that much better, like, 7 a.m., but it's a big <laughs> difference. <laughs> yeah, that one hour. <laughs> that one hour, right? That one hour. But um, definitely, you know, hopefully uh, as we move back into a, a more regular training schedule, we'll be able to have it, like, you know, something more reasonable, something between 8 and noon, honestly. It's better yeah. so fingers crossed definitely I hope you get those extra few hours of sleep right? you know, it's important otherwise I'll just have to go to bed on time definitely definitely yeah. awesome well let's move into your college career and your swimming in college um I guess at what point did you realize that you wanted to be a professional swimmer was it during this time when you were swimming with your team in college or um I guess how did that work out for you for sure yeah it was actually pretty crazy um I decided I wanted to be a professional swimmer my junior year of college. Um, it, it was after championships junior year. So in college, uh, championships would fall right around like February, right around Valentine's Day. So this is Valentine's Day of, of, of 2016. And um, we go to championships. My family flies out to Ohio. That's where I'm in school at. And they're here to support. They're here to watch a show, you know, as everyone always is. And... Um, it went terrible honestly it went terrible like 
I spent three years away at college. I was like barely, people can't see me, but I'm doing like one of those tiny pincher motion, motions with my fingers this much better, like a very small amount better than I was in high school. Um, didn't make any finals, didn't win any heats. Um, looked terrible on camera, uh, just kind of like my swim stroke looked like very unrefined, very, you know, just like un uncritiqued up until that point. And it broke my heart. Literally, I never felt so embarrassed. Like I cried all the way back to school, a little three, four hour trip back to school after after we had spent the weekend there. And I was in like a little mini depression for a couple of days. And I was just thinking to myself, like, dang, man, like, if this is hitting you this hard, like I was taking it pretty hard. I was like, if this is like really making you this sad, like, you probably really care about this. Maybe you should just try and make this your job. Like maybe this should just be your career. And that's literally how it happened. I was like, it was it was born out of heartbreak and pain. It's like I was I was pained so much that I knew I had feelings. And <laughs> and that's what led me to say, all right, I'm gonna just go in for it. And so as a junior in high school, completely unranked, completely unknown, literally on like a whim and a prayer decided I'm going to be a pro swimmer. That's awesome. It, I mean, it stinks that you were like super upset about it and stuff, but I'm glad you had that like <laughs> turning point, right? Where you were like, oh, I love this. You know, yeah. sometimes it takes that, I don't, the not so great right. time to turn yourself around and realize, oh, I really care about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it's so awesome. Real, that's it, man. It's kind of like, I mean, like obviously like people, I don't know, <laughs> it's like people, you know, like sometimes you don't realize, a good thing or a good relationship until it's gone you know so it's like I right like, man like maybe i've been neglecting this thing like you know yeah. obviously matters a lot more to me than i realize definitely definitely awesome well let's move into your training schedule now i know you're working yeah. with wilma wong i would love to hear how y'all connected and sure. um, what your training is like right now yeah yeah wilma wong that's my ace that's my coach that's my business partner we met 2017, so that's a year after I dropped out. And um, during that year in between, I went, I started tra training with the uh, University of Southern California Trojans. Um, so I started training with their pro team. And I trained with them for a year, training with the coaching staff over there for a year, uh, world-renowned coaching staff. But it just still wasn't the place for me. And um, uh, pretty much I met woman at a swim meet, actually, through another swimmer. Like I swam against this really fast dude named Luke, right? He's my homie now. Um, and after the race, we're just talking, you know, like I've been, I've gotten my swim trunks beat off of me. Um, we're just talking and like, I'm telling him my story. I just came from US and he's like, oh, no kidding, man. Like I was at USC for a minute. And we just had like a lot of synergies in this kind of unconventional path trying to get to, um, you know, at this point, my mind was set on the Olympics, right? Like trying to get to the Olympics or at least make an Olympic trial, make a real go at it. And so um, he's like, dude, you got to meet my coach. And so that's what happened. Like he literally walks me over to his coach. And from there, it's just kind of like, you know, we, we have a little mini interview on deck. I tell him my goal is she's like, I can probably help you get there. And um, kind of over the next six months, you know, like, I start to go to their practices. I start to take car rides, you know, and just kind of learn these people. And then, um, you know, now here we are three years later, uh, you know, with a few international medals. Um, 
uh, our own swim team, you know, and uh, we're, we're still just chugging away. Uh, I know you said my workout schedule right now, right? What's that kind of like? So, uh, you know, COVID is tough. Um, so we had our own facility. It was an indoor facility that's been shut down since March. Um, you can only be at outdoor facilities. So from March to, from March to like August, you know, I think I was in backyard pools for a little bit. It did not really work out all that well in backyard pools. Like you can do some stuff, but it's like, it's just very demotivating, honestly. Like after a while, I'll just go to a backyard pool because I'm a fish, like I need to be in the water. But it like really is not something that like puts you confidence in your training. Um, so I was in the backyard pool scene for a little bit. Um, one of my mentors and great friends actually is the owner of Vasa. Um, so pretty much I was able to get my hands on a Vasa swim machine. Um, do you know what that is, Aggie? I've heard of it. I can't say I've ever used one. <laughs> I've been training on that for the past four months. And uh, really starting, I guess, like October, November, we were able to get in at an outdoor pool. So we were having actually 1230 practices. We were having 1230 practices. Um, but then I had to go to Utah a couple times. So like, I haven't been in the pool for months now because every time I went to Utah, I had to quarantine for right. uh, you know, 12 to 14 days. So right now I just kind of, I use my indoor swim machine. Um, I stretch, um, I use an X3 bar. If people know mm -hmm. what X3 bar is, I use X3 and I do a lot of mental training. I play like yeah. a card game. And like on each card is like a scenario that could happen to me at a race. Like I might pull a card and it will say, you woke up today and you had food poisoning last night. So you feel very sick, but you still have to race, you know, like pretty much just anything could happen. Just trying yeah. to be ready for anything. So that's what it's like these days. Yeah, definitely. That's so, the, that machine's awesome. I'm glad you have that because I was, I spoke with someone, <laughs> I was speaking with someone about this and I was like, there's, there aren't very many like substitutes for a pool, you know, mm -hmm. like runners. Okay. You don't have a treadmill or something you run on the street, but like, you can't like swim on the street, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess like I, I was wondering before we were speaking about this, like, how do you like make those substitutes and stuff? Um, yeah. But it sounds like you've got the resources and things to do that. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank yeah, which is awesome. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I know. I don't know. COVID seems to shut down lots of pools, at least in my area. And yeah. um, it's that's hard, you know, like if that's your thing, like, how do you do it? Um, I guess you get an indoor swim machine. That seems to be the answer. Get an indoor swim machine. Yeah, I definitely am not in a position to uh, be putting an outdoor swimming pool up just, just because COVID happened. Right. Yeah. Especially like having the heat and everything on. Some people I know tried it. I'm like, nah, dude. That's like, if you're going to do it, you got to just like, you got to just get a pool. Don't get like one of those <laughs> above ground. Like it's got to be official, got to be legit. So I don't know. I guess I'm a bit pretentious for that, but it's just out of my out of my range at this point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, let's kind of go into your journey. I know you've had some ups and downs and things. I guess COVID is just one of those many obstacles that you've been able to overcome. I guess how like your story. How did swimming and like this mental this mindset that you're speaking of right now? You do these mind games and stuff to kind of keep you going and pushing yourself. Um, I guess, how did you keep the Olympics in sight 
through all of these obstacles that you've overcome? For sure. Um, well, I got kind of like since I decided, you know, 2016 to do it and then 2018 when I was, you know, you know, air quotes, came out of the closet with my disability and like made focusing on the Paralympics and was able to join that movement. Um, to be quite frank, like I love so many, you know, like I was doing it literally when I wasn't good at it, literally when nobody knew about it. That's right. actually when I decided to make it a career, you know, it's like, there's no doubt that I love what I'm doing, but um, the motivation is like, for me, all of this stuff is like a means to an end, Aggie. Uh, you know, um, I definitely wanted my swimming to impact people's lives as best as it could, you know, which led me to begin my nonprofit mm -hmm. as soon as I made my first national team, you know, and we're working to teach people how to swim, you know, hopefully we'll hit a million number in these first five years uh, just yeah. through our educational resources. But ultimately, like what motivates me is the platform that I've been able to build and the platform that is still there for me to rise to. And uh, really just not only be able to be an inspiration, but like be able to be an example of, you know, I guess like more than just like, I guess what, what maybe America as a whole needs. And in a lot yeah. of ways, like what my community needs, like what black people need to see, you know, I think like um, yeah. being, being able to see, you know, uh, a professional swimmer you know like <laughs> just a regular like down to earth guys from like the inner city you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. it's not that far off base um to show kids that like you know whatever it is that we can be that um to to bring awareness to be able to honestly like have some type of you know social power to be able to influence politics yeah. you know to some point um to be able to offer job opportunities in my community, to be able to start to, you know, offer different pathways for generating wealth and understanding business. Um, so it's kind of like this cacophony, uh, you know, yeah. I, not even a cacophony, I would say, just like all of us, right? There's an, an intersection of identities, you know, that, that make up us as a person. And so, you know, swimming is kind of like, if anything, just swimming Team USA, like that's the figurehead of Jamal, right? right? Like that's just kind of the face that gets me into doors. But um, that, that's the motivation. Like everything behind that face, all of these like unsung heroes and reasons and like my advisors and my parents and my friends and my family, all, all these individuals who have invested so much. Like that's what, that's what wakes me up. You know, well, God wakes me up. But like that's what, that's what keeps me going after I've woken up, you know, and like just yeah. like, I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that was a bit long-winded. <laughs> no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I I think right like now more than ever people are talking about the power of the athlete platform. Like mm. people love their athletes because they love the sport that they do or they love whatever it is that they're like your foundation or something like that, you know? But mm. now I think people realize this, right? Like with the whole influencer culture and stuff. Yeah. But now athletes can take a stance on anything and like a significant amount of people are going to see it which yeah. maybe that's also like social media and broadcasting and all that stuff coming into play but yeah. athletes have power it's so cool and I think it's awesome we've seen that a lot this year with exactly what you're talking about but the athlete platform I've been to so many events too and I've worked on so many events called the athlete platform or athlete <laughs> something platform. like that the that's impact of an athlete yeah yeah so cool. it's, it's major it's major you know i mean it's like 
and it's no secret, right? Like athletes are, you know, they are. I guess like it's it's a bit archaic, but like they are the gladiators, right? Like they are, they are the superheroes of of physical prowess, you know. Yep. Regardless, Olympic, Paralympic, and I mean obviously like as humans a lot of us still look up to like physical prowess as something to 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 ascertain something to mm -hmm. make us feel as though like you know we, we can keep going right whether we think yeah. we're strong that strong or not like this perseverance this journey this hero's journey right that we assume yeah. all athletes especially the ones that you know reach the higher up levels they've gone through and like that that speaks to something in us just like any entertainment form just like a musician just just like an actor or something like that so yeah it definitely it's a great time I think I think it's a better time than any to to be an athlete at this time and I think so just because like there's more responsibility than ever to be an athlete like you know it's like I tell people all the time like they ask me this and I'm like like yeah I love swimming but like all the stuff I'm doing is not just because it's swimming like all the stuff that these athletes are doing this not just because of basketball it's not just because of track it's not just because of field hockey um or, or because of soccer because of you know uh non-american football whatever you have you like it's because i think again like people are starting to realize that like not only do i have a platform but I am more valuable than just the sport that I play at this given time. Like my identity is not just stuck into this ball right here or this arena, right? Like I can be celebrated and I deserve to be loved and I deserve to give love even beyond whatever I do or don't win on the field of competition, you know? So um, yeah, it's really glad. Like I think it's calling, it's calling a higher level, you know? So like, I think there may be, in some ways maybe like less athletes that that are in the even though like it's a broader spectrum now you know like even yeah. though there are all, all these athletes like well obviously have a much larger pool of like you know like micro to medium you know will be influencer athletes I think that'll be big but I think like the upper echelon of athletes will you know not increase by a whole lot but what I do think is going to increase is like their integrity their awareness their leadership capabilities outside of just being an individual champion. Definitely. Yeah. I think social responsibility and like just athletes being human has become so much, I guess, more common to see like on social media, <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> you think they're robots, right? Like you see people like an extreme example, like Ronaldo. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like he's a robot. Like, yes, we can tell, like he gets into his mindset and like, he's, he's on fire. He's going, he's great. But like, he also has opinions on social issues and stuff. And like, he's allowed to say those things because he's a man, like a human too. Um, yeah. I think that's, it's crazy that it took so many terrible things in 2020 yeah. for that to become a, a regular thing for athletes to talk about, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, for sure. I'm more than athletes for anyone to yeah. talk about like this you know what i'm saying like what happened in 2020 wasn't just not being spoken about by athletes like sure. nobody was speaking about it it was just even more so taboo for an athlete because they did have this platform and because right. if they were fearful that that platform could just be taken away if they opened their mouth you know yeah. so it's yeah it's, it's, 
It's good. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy to say this, right? Like, oh yeah, all this was. If we had had this interview, yeah, this time last year, it would be a completely different talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it would be a completely different talk. For yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, it's a crazy year, but lots of good things coming, I guess, within the next year, hopefully. Um, so let's move into Tokyo. I see your Tokyo. What is that? A scarf behind your head? Um, it's a, yeah, it's a towel. Towel. I love it. Towel, um, I got you know. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. I've not been to Japan, but one of my friends was, and they brought this back for me. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Um, cool. Well, I I've been asking many athletes this, but what what does the road to Tokyo mean to you? Like I always say, to me, it's like super fun commercials, lots of hype on like Twitter and stuff like that. Cool content because I'm not training to compete. Um, but yeah, so I guess what does the road to Tokyo mean to you? um the road to tokyo is just like step one of four for me uh so like really kind of my narrative arc is tokyo paris los angeles so 2021 2024 2028 um obviously i have career milestones lined up with that in the pool you know like making the team is an important first step you know so like you know nothing is guaranteed you have to make the team before you can make the podium um so that's a big first step just in the pool uh, you know, again, just always kind of evolving as an athlete, um, understanding, you know, understanding what I need to do, like as a racer, still being very young in the pro sports scene, even in the sports scene, like I've been swimming full time for like, what, since 2016 to like four and a half years now, which is pretty minuscule comparatively to, you know, but uh, that, I think that's like pretty much it, man. Like it's something I've been training for for a long time. And, um, you know, I'm focused on it, but at the same pace, it's like, it's an experiment, you know, like, and at the same pace, like how I kind of play those mind games, like, yeah, I want to be prepared for everything, which is why there's some crazy stuff written on those cards, because it's like, at a certain point, you have to like, you just got to let go of the ego. I think like that, that's, that's a big thing for me. Like, obviously, I want to envision myself on the podium and things like that. But so much is out of my control. So much is, you know, just COVID can happen, you know, so I just try and take it not too serious now these days, you know, like, I, I don't really think about it too much, like, I have a job to do, and I just take it day by day, um, outside of the pool, uh, that same narrative arc is, like, really what's driving my brand, you know, on the for-profit side and on the non-profit side, like, obviously in the non-profit leading up into Tokyo, um, you know, I'll have on, like, my boss hat, and I will be producing a lot of this stuff that you experience as a consumer, like, or we all are consumers in this world, but like, you know, as someone not actively training for Tokyo themselves, you know, so like Summer Olympics is massive for swimming, right? So like with our initiatives to teach a million people how to swim, we'll be ramping up a lot of our programs, um, a lot of the match is trying to garner a lot of that media and hype. And then, uh, yeah, you know, like hopefully, as we get closer to Tokyo, maybe one or two sponsorships hop on as a, as, to me as an athlete and an influencer. Um, and that's kind of it. Like at this point in my career, it's like, I kind of been like doing this entrepreneurship thing for, you know, literally like four or five years now. So it's like, you kind of like, I don't, you don't like lose like the sparkle in your eye, but like, you just kind of realize like, at this point, like nothing is really about to make or break me, you know, like 
success doesn't happen overnight. It's like, no, you grind it out for three, four, five, six, seven, eight years. And then after night number 759, and it turns over to night 800, oh, now you're on this larger platform and the world hears about you and they think it's overnight, you know? Um, but that's just not the reality of it, you know? So kind of at this point, like, I, like I'm humbled. I just kind of feel like, you know, I, I just take everything with, with stride and with grace. And um, yeah, I'm not really looking for any one thing to like make and break this. You know, at this point, it's like, it's been Jamal and God that have brought it this far. And so ultimately that's what will continue to push it forward. And ultimately that's the only, the only things that can really stop it at this point. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's probably an unconventional answer, but <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what it's like right now as we move into uh, 2021 and, and I got my eyes on Tokyo. Yeah, definitely. I. I think it is a little bit of an unconventional answer, but it shows yeah. you've got a lot going on still. Like you're <laughs> training, focus, and like business. That's a huge yeah. part of it too that I think a lot of people kind of glaze over. Like they just expect athletes like be in the pool all the time, you know, working on their yeah. technique and stuff like that. But no, like creating <laughs> a brand and you've got a nonprofit yeah. and yeah, a lot. I mean, I know, I know there are going to be like a lot of, like you said, a lot of college age uh, people listening to this and, you know, whether you're an athlete or, or not, or, you know, a scientist, I was a physics major in college. Um, okay. You know, so like, I got sides to me, you know, <laughs> like, you know, like we're all people, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, so without like doing the whole archaic, you know, like don't put me in a box type deal, I would just say that just, you got to understand with anything, like, especially as an athlete because that's kind of what this is focused on especially as an athlete especially as a swimmer you know like you're gonna have to think like number one as a swimmer um to make the olympic team you know in in an event there's only going to be two spots per event you know so right. like we're talking about beyond the one you got a better chance of getting into the nba than you do of making an olympic swimming team you know, we all know, you know, we've all heard the stats our entire lives about getting into the NBA, right? Yeah. Like that's number one. Number two, if you make that swimming team, like swimming does not pay well. <laughs> so like the, the number of people that you can name that are swimmers are probably the people who have made like a substantial income off swimming, you know, definitely. so like you could probably count that definitely on 10 fingers. And I promise you, there's been way more than those people who have won Olympic gold medals in swimming or any other kind of like air quotes, secondary sport. Um, so it's important really to understand the necessity of building a brand of, you know, really developing skills outside of the pool, developing communication skills, developing nice. sales skills, developing leadership organization skills. Um, because one thing that I just kind of started to tell myself is just that like the biggest fish in the, the biggest fish ain't always the fastest fish you know what i'm saying like right. the shark let's just you know like the shark let's say the shark is the apex predator of the ocean but the black marlin is the fastest fish in the ocean right sure. like you know i think sometimes even as athletes especially again like in a competitive sport where it is pretty like uh pretty non-objective right like there, there's a first a second and third like and it depends on what order you finish in like you know it's like it's got nothing to do with your free throw percentage nothing like that so like people can get caught up and like dang like I'm not the fastest like there's no way that I have an option of being great and you know that that's just one thing that I tell myself it's like you know 
being and, and again kind of what that means is you don't got to be number one like obviously we're all chasing number one that's kind of what we're in it for not in it totally but yeah I would be lying if I said I didn't want to win right you would be lying if you said you didn't want we all like to be number one right <laughs> there's no secret there but um again like when when you are able to like unlock these other dimensions of self and really like you know, just embrace this more robust individual that you are pretty much like your character starts to grow, right? And so like now you are growing inside, you're growing in gravity. Um, and so the things that are going to be attracted to you, especially in this new world, are, are going to be in some ways maybe even bigger than being on that podium, whether whether you make it to that podium or not, you know? So sure. that's it. Just wanted to leave you with that, you know, like, yeah the biggest fish ain't always the fastest fish you can still eat good have a great life and, and do what you love even if you are not the absolute best um you know in a race right yeah. you can be the best you right like the mm -hmm. shark is the best shark and the marlin is the best marlin right they, <laughs> they don't race like that you know even if we tried to put them in a race we could not judge either of their value just off of who crossed that line first you know so Definitely. that's it Make sure that you build your life's resume, have adventures, get skills. You got to get skills. You got to get skills. You got to get skills. Like you got to get skills. You got to get skills. You got to, you got to get skills. I can't say it enough just because like yes. that's, that's what's going to make you indisposable in this world. That's what's going to allow you to, if yes. you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to work for someone else or you want to do your own thing. Like ultimately, Hey, ultimately like that is, that, that's what that's going to come from you have to have some type of knowledge base um something that can be converted something that is viable whether that's on the computer whether that's you know physical labor um get some skills yeah yeah definitely i totally agree with you and i love all of your fish metaphors it's making me so happy <laughs> <laughs> right 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 i try and stay on things <laughs> so cool um awesome well just to kind of wrap up um, we've talked about your foundation, Swim Uphill, but I don't think we've actually talked about it. Um, can you kind of tell me how you started it and what you're doing now? I know you've already talked about a lot of this, but um, just to talk about it specifically, how did this start and um, what's your mission? For sure, that's a, that's a good one. So important caveat here, and I'm, and I'm changing this for people. So mm -hmm. we are not a foundation. We are not a foundation. We are, a, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We are a nonprofit organization, but just for the nerds out there, foundations are nonprofit organizations that give money away. So like they are, you know, like your grant givers. What we do is actually we provide services um you know at free or discounted rates but i just wanted to clarify that i know mm -hmm. like like our paperwork still says foundation no big deal but like we don't operate as a foundation you know so don't you guys don't take it easy on aggie <laughs> <laughs> this is jamal's mishap um, <laughs> but yeah so again uh you know swim uphill nonprofit. um right so our mission at this point in time um is to increase swim equity in low to middle income communities using uh, culturally and environmentally based educational resources. Um, you know, in, in, in some ways that, that mission statement is gonna become a little bit more acute, you know, like we're gonna change that word equity for justice, uh, just because I think it's super important to, to really hone in and to be super clear and to leave as little gray area and opaque space as possible. Uh, but this is just to give you guys the gist of it. Sure. Um, so ways we've been doing that 
uh, during this COVID season, we've been able to teach over a hundred families worldwide, um, pretty much virtually. Uh, Three fifths of our Learn to Swim curriculum. Um, so we partnered with Airbnb, and uh, we've been using a bowl, a bench, and two buckets um, to teach people breathing skills, to teach people, you know, uh, forward movement skills, things like that. Um, you know, and so pretty much like that is at this point in time our, our biggest our biggest uh our biggest program our teach a million to swim program we're thinking about calling it splash family that might be the name of that program uh, how yeah. do you feel about splash family i like it i like it <laughs> splash family what do you think about swim for life Ooh, i think i like splash family you like splash family a little bit more original all right we're we're, we're, we're pulling we're pulling <laughs> but um yeah that, that's kind of where we're at right now like i said uh really with these educational resources, we're trying to focus on like four main things. Um, one is just going to be the time it takes people to learn how to swim, you know, so really just laying out a standard, you know, average time for learning how to swim. You know, I think that's super important. Um, they're the time standard for, how, you know, cooking any specific meal. They're the time standard for any grade level, right? They're the time standard for any course that you would take. Um, so I think it's extremely elitist and, and honestly, just like misrepresenting, you know, to, to not have a time standard for swimming. I think that that turns a lot of people out. Uh, number two uh, is really just, um, you know, obviously cost is, is going to be an act, is going to be uh, a PowerPoint. Um, and that is also kind of a function of time, right? Like, however much it costs, the more time it takes, you just right. multiply it by that, right? So like, Yep. I think the industry has benefited a lot off of this like unspecified time window. And again, that has excluded a large number of people. Um, number three is just going to be access to water, to access to water features, you know, like access to a pool in your community. Um, here in Los Angeles County, like in Beverly Hills, there are about 3,500 pools. Um, in Watts, there's zero pools. You know, mm -hmm. so like that just kind of goes to show you um, how even though we are in this more enlightened time period that we are still living in the past, you know, if not mentally, definitely physically, you know, in, in terms of access and facilities. And so again, in the, in the meantime, while we attempt to build these pools, you know, people still got to learn how to swim. They got to learn how to swim where they are with what they've got, which is what's led us, you know, to innovate and use these kind of household objects like bowls, benches, and buckets to meet people where they are. And then the fourth one, it's more of a generational aspect and uh, that that is really kind of speaking to our older demographic, um, speaking to people who have traumas with water, people who are afraid of water, people who have aquaphobia, um, who maybe have tried to learn how to swim times in their life or have lost someone to, uh, to an accidental drowning or what have you, just like have given up on it for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, we have some emotional kind of PTSD style, PTSD style training to help those people. And, and that's really kind of just, that's, that's the nutshell of our flagship program. Uh, we have one other program. Our secondary program is actually called the Swim Uphill Victors. That is a post-pro grad team that I swim for and that woman is the head coach of. You know, so we kind of have like level zero, you know, on the, on the Teach a Million uh, flagship program side. And then we have like level 10, you know, on, on the complete yeah. opposite end. So, um, you know, what happens in between there in terms of program development, will be very interesting to see. But, uh, you know, that those are just, I think, two of the biggest needs that were closest to my heart. You know, like number one, just having right. a place where we can just get people swimming 
quickly and effectively and efficiently, no matter what, you know, whether it's through the internet, whatever, I don't care. Um, and then to have a program that not only catered to my specific needs, but like catered to athletes like me who were underdogs, who just kind of wanted to have a place to come and to try their hand at their dream. And, um, you know, our team has athletes from all over the world right now. Like we've got an athlete from Morocco on our team. We've got two athletes from Russia. We've got a few California natives here. And yeah, um, yeah it's going good, you know, so that that is, it's, it's a bit everywhere. Forgive me, I'm usually like more, <laughs> more concise ordinarily oh, with my explanation. <laughs> awesome. yeah, um, no, I appreciate like, that's a really great explanation that you really are encompassing everybody. And I think one thing that like, I'm sure you know this, but lots of people don't think about like swimming. Yeah, it's a sport, but it's also a skill that can literally save your life. Like people don't, I don't think everybody thinks about that. Like if you live in a place where you're not like on the ocean or you're not on the beach or you're not around lakes, people don't think about it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely one of those life skills that everybody needs to know. Um, uh, it, is, it is usually the people who like, you know, don't have any access to right. a regular water feature that like mm -hmm. find themselves around a water feature on a hot day and then tragedy happens, you know? Right. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like strange phenomena that's mm -hmm. like, it's the people that are farthest removed that are most at risk, you know? Right. Um, you know, so, so ignorance is definitely not bliss. It's very costly, uh, you know? Yeah, so that, that's it. We're just trying to, trying to simplify that, make it as simple as possible, um, as quick as possible, as painless as possible. And then, you know, from there, like people could go and they could join the swim team or they could teach their own kids or, you know, just trying to demystify this space. And um, that's why I had to bring it in as a nonprofit, just because I, I don't think that swim education at that level should be a for-profit business. Right. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> you know, sorry, yeah. sorry guys. Like, if you got a swim school, you know, or something like that, I'm sure there are different different levels. Yeah. But I definitely don't think just being able to swim to save your life um, should be a for profit business. That that's going to be something sure. that needs to be service based. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Well, I love it. Um, you're doing really awesome things, and I'm sure that all of these people that you're making an impact on really appreciate it. You know, like it's something that people probably <laughs> don't realize they need. Um, but that's so cool. Um, so just to kind of wrap up last question for you, um, I always end my shows on advice. So what is one piece of advice you would give to young Jamal who maybe doesn't know he wants to be a professional swimmer yet? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? One piece of advice, right? This is like that paradox, right? That paradox <laughs> question, like if you could go back and tell yourself, like, yes, are you changing the future or are you the right. one making the future happen, right? Like, which right. one is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I would tell them, like, dude, being a kid is like, being a kid is so tough because of peer pressure, you know, like, I think most kids just want to stick in, fit in really bad, you know? Um, and I would just tell them, like, you don't gotta be a weirdo or nothing like that, but it's okay to be weird, dude. Like kind of, you know, like seriously, like what kind of what your parents are telling you, kind of what you already know, even though it's hard, like just try and be the best you that you can be, like whatever that means. And like, if you like to do something, then like, that's what you like to do. And like, it's really that simple. You know, like if you don't want to do something, you don't want to do it. And it's really that simple. Like if you think something is wrong, you think it's wrong and it's really that simple you know so uh it's probably like a bit understated like you know but 
that's 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 what I would tell him. Like it's just like the best thing the best thing for us at this point in your life is just for you to continue to be you there, son. <laughs> you just like do it your way, you know, like listen to people. Um, you know, like uh listen to the people that you trust and you know, but ultimately like no matter what, like you can only ever make your decisions. Like no matter no matter who gives you advice, no matter what coaching you have, like when you get up on the racing, when I get up on those racing blocks, like Wilma is not there with me. Like my mom and dad are not there with me. No one, no one is there with me. It's just me on that block, you know? And I think like that is, that's one thing that I love about swimming, you know? Cause like it really highlights that part of life. Like so many people put in and build and, and like help and, and donate and, and invest. But at the end of the day, like it's still just you and God, like when the moment really comes down to it, you know? That's it. That's what I would tell him. You know, don't be a weirdo, but be weird. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd appreciate the advice. I know um, <laughs> For young, sure. young sure. Aggie would too. <laughs> young Aggie would too. Well, there it is. You know, I, I'm glad, man. I'm, I'm glad because it's definitely, you know, how it is as a kid, man. It's, yeah. It's tough, you know, like everyone wants to kind of be the same or like whatever the standard of the popularity is at that time, you know, whether it's not giving a hoot or like being super scholastic or you know wherever you are in the world and whatever is popular where you are having money not I don't know you feel me like whatever it is just it's really not that serious just like be you do you if you like it great if you don't like it well there's really no need to participate in it then yeah um, yes yeah, so that's what I will leave that's what I will leave me with uh Aggie you've been absolutely amazing thank you for taking <laughs> so much interest not only in my story but ultimately like in the story of millions of people through my nonprofit and, and the work that we're going to do there are doing there and will continue to do so you know you're in the hot seat now right Aggie I've got to ask you you love the mission you love what we're doing right here we're being recorded on Adventures with Aggie I need a pledge Aggie how much are you going to pledge to the Swim Uphill nonprofit to help us continue to embody and enact this mission. Yeah, of course. I love Swim Uphill. Um, I pledge $100 and Woo-hoo! I'm super excited. Yes, that's lit, <laughs> yo. That's so exciting. Aggie, thank you yeah. so, so much. Is, wait, real quick, I'll, I'll give this to you. Is there, is there a bonus question? Is there anything on your mind <laughs> that you didn't have written down that you're just like, um, let me get this last one out, Jamal? I don't think so. Just how can people reach you if they want to get involved with Swim Uphill? That's a great one. Yeah. So the best way is going to be just Google swim uphill, you know, <laughs> just Google it. swim uphill, um, swim uphill.com will be Jamal Hill's personal website, swim uphill.org. It's going to be the nonprofit site, our nonprofit. Actually just got a new website. It should be up in about, uh, it should be up before the new year. So whenever this comes out, you guys will be able to visit that swim uphill.org. Again, that's going to be the best way to get involved with the you know, our Splash family, where we're trying to teach a million people how to swim with our Victor's program, um, you know, with kind of Boss Jamal wearing, wearing his hat there. That's <laughs> going to be the best way. And then anything kind of athletics on the brand side, swimuphill.com, swimuphill um, on Instagram. That's probably like my main social media handle. If you DM me at swimuphill on Instagram, uh, I'll get back to you. I will get back to you. you know? <laughs> I got like a two to three day turnaround time on those messages. But I'll get back to you. We'll get connected. Don't worry. Um, swim uphill, D-O-T-O-R-G is going to be 
our social media for the nonprofit. So like anything swim uphill alone is gonna be Jamal Hill. Anything swim uphill D O T O R G is gonna be the nonprofit. So try oh. to keep it super simple. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cool. Well, Jamal, yeah. thank you so much. This is awesome. Absolutely, Aggie. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Jamal, thanks so much for sharing that your awesome story and you're doing such cool things. I'm so excited to have been able to feature you on the show. And y'all go check out the Swim Hill Foundation. They're doing some really great things for kids who might not know how to swim. And it is a very necessary thing to know how to do because it can save your life. So go check out the Swim Hill Foundation, which is linked below. Thanks so much for listening to this awesome episode. And that concludes our first round of Adventures with Aggie Road to Tokyo.